Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about uh, the rosy economy. We hope to have in about six months, not the one we have now, according to the global survey report that our guest, Norbert Orr, who uh, works with Strategus Research Partners or Strategus Securities, has put together to share with you and I, Lou, uh, right before we tear our hair out, what little is left of it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Economic devastation. I think that's what uh, Norbert referred to. So, uh, Norbert, welcome to our show. Thank you. Always a pleasure to <laughs> be welcome. with you. Welcome to the yeah, board. Well, now, tell us how good it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell us well, when this is going away. I mean, really. I would start, uh, Lou, with uh, where I, I think we'll also finish, uh, and that is uh, over the years I've learned that in every economic scenario there's winners and losers. And the, <laughs> the, the media is kind enough to always pound, point out the losers for us. We don't have to worry about going to find them. They're going to be everywhere. Uh, right. They're not so good at finding the winners. And uh, in this uh, economic scenario right now, there are some winners in there. It may be hard to believe. Uh, may not be seeing it directly in uh, in, in all of manufacturing, but in, in some pieces of it. Uh, so I, I'm going to wind up reminding ourselves and myself in particular that there's winners and losers but uh, let's let's kind of start and go through some of the numbers. Uh, I'm not going to uh, I, I can tell our audience the numbers are bad. I'm not sure that uh, adding uh, a graphic to that uh, it does accomplishes anything. The the numbers are bad, and uh, hopefully April was the bottom month. And uh, if if indeed April is the bottom month, then uh, we should be looking at probably five to six months of uh, ISM manufacturing PMIs below 50, but it should reach the 50 mark in approximately five to six months. And from then on, it tends to uh, snowball. The, the way we measure what's going on with economic activity, it, it turns very positive. And uh, historically, we, we, we know that, that that's the, the repeatable cycle that we see. Sometimes it's faster than that. Uh, but uh, for right now, it, uh, it would seem to me we would be pretty good. So uh, the question, I, I think first question I'm going to ask uh, myself is why do you think this is the bottom? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> partly because I just don't think it can get much worse than this. <laughs> and uh, I, I know you guys are laughing while you're crying, uh, 
but let me let me tell you a little nuance about the ISM manufacturing data. The uh, new orders index came in at 27.1. Production came in at 27.5. Employment came in at 27.5. Now, those are the big three. The other two are supplier deliveries and inventories. Inventories was just about break even at 49.7, so it didn't have a lot of influence on the uh, on the index. And supplier deliveries were at 76. Well, as you know, supplier deliveries is an inverse index. That uh, the question that's asked for deliveries is: Are supplier deliveries slower, same, or faster? And so slower is preferred because slowing deliveries mean that lead times are extending and it's an indication of growth in the economy. Well, every now and then, because of the business cycle being the way it is, that gets reversed, basically. Uh, And so what people are answering now really has more to do with Products that are, they have logistical issues around, that are sl- so it's slow because of the logistic issues. Uh, it's not a free-flowing manufacturing sector right now, as you well know. Uh, orders have canceled. Uh, plants are shut down. The food industry is decimated with food uh, preparation uh, plants and so on. Uh, so that uh, index, supplier deliveries, is at 76. And the way I look at this right now is I take that 76 out and say, okay, I'm going to figure out what the index is without supplier deliveries. So I'm going to take the other four indexes, and I average them out at a 33. Now, this month's data is showing a 41.5, but that's the difference between 33 and 41.5 is driven exclusively by supplier deliveries. So I think it's important. That's why I think we're near a bottom, because I think we're much lower than we think we are. So are are you saying that the numbers that uh, we're looking at are actually – Good, and they actually may actually they actually may be much lower. Uh, well, they're not good if they're lower. Uh, it's, uh, they're, <laughs> they're, 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 they are bad, and uh, the way I'm looking at it, they're they're lower. So I'm comparing the uh, pub the uh, press release had the PMI at 41.5. I would contend that 33 is much closer to reality than the 41.5. And it's also consistent with some of the other numbers that we see globally. And uh, so, again, I'm looking for, is this a bottom? If it is, uh, that's that's a good thing uh, for, for us to see. And, you know, we had like India came in at 27.4 down from 51.8 the month before. Uh, 
most others were in the 40s and 30s. Uh, Australia dropped from 53.7 to 35.8. So there was a lot going on, and I just think that uh, uh, we may have hit a, a hard landing uh, in April and uh, either we we move upward in uh, May or we move upward in June uh, and start to build a recovery. What I find interesting is uh, the China and Taiwan numbers being as high as they are. Uh, can you explain how that's working out, or, or are they not real numbers? Well, I was he math? No, they... <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know that they're real numbers, but they're the numbers that we have to uh, to work with at this point. And right. that's that's one of the real anomalies in all of the data this month because uh, China, there's two surveys, the uh, survey, the CFLP survey, uh, was at uh, it came in at 50.8. But it was down in February. So China hit their bottom in February, and they did it in one month. So when we hear China being accused of a lot of uh, improprieties around how they held information and that type of thing, certainly this data would say something. uh, uh, What's the old phrase? Something's crooked in Denmark. Uh, We don't have Denmark. We have China. Uh, that we're trying to deal with. And uh, the official uh, China survey, I gave you the numbers for that. The uh, Kaishin survey, it went down in February to 40.3 and then came back up to 50.1 and then uh, uh, 49.4, I think, uh, from there. So you're very familiar with the uh, scattergram that we we use to measure the 18 global surveys that we follow very closely. If you saw that, if you took time to see that chart this month, what you saw was uh, there's four quadrants on the chart. I'm going to try to be graphic for our, our listeners. Uh, there's four, four uh, it's a four quadrant analysis. Uh, there's weakening and versus strengthening. So is the economy getting better or getting worse? And contracting versus expanding. So directionally, which way is it going? On that chart this month, there's 17 countries of the 18 that are contracting and weakening. So in the four-quadrant analysis, there's only one country that's out of the uh, the lower left corner box and that happens to be China that's showing 50.8 the second best is just under 50 and that's uh, China's uh, HSBC survey at 49.4 but that is so ominous looking to me when we came up with uh, measuring this way I never imagined uh, you know, what I hope for is that we'd see uh, 17 or 18 in the strengthening and expanding block 
certainly not in the weakening and contracting block from that. I might add for our listeners that uh, we will have the scattergram on our website at mfgtalkradio.com, so you can see exactly what uh, Norbert is referring to. Uh, it's a frightening picture, to say the yeah, least. The, the, the more you study it, the more you're going to want to cry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In comparison to previous months, yes, that's true. However, uh, I don't know what your your uh, strength of connection is with the words coming out of the current administration, Norbert, but I, are you confident or do you feel confident from what you're hearing, as opposed to what all of us are hearing, that uh, although it's not a light switch, when this economy gets turned back on, it's not a two- or three-year recovery cycle? Um, you know, we've got some of the best people that have a lot of influence. Uh, the economist uh, Art Laffer uh, is one of the very best economists. Uh, I've followed his work since he was in the Reagan administration. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I follow what he has to say and what school of thought. Uh, I worry uh, uh, Steve Moore is another really good economist that's affiliated with the administration. Uh, and I, I think there's a number of uh, really good people, uh, a lot of good people on Wall Street. Uh, Wall Street uh, has... Uh, uh, bought into all this, I think that's why the stock market is staying up as high as it is, because I think they understand that this was not a failure of the economy. This was a failure of medical procedure, and uh, that should be easier to come back from. I I think uh, one of the worst things they did was trying to give $600 a week to uh, that would ultimately wind up causing more people to want to stay home and collect that than they would want to go to work. And That's true. I, I think they had the, the incentives wrong on that. Uh, I know, Lou, as a business owner, uh, you understand that better than uh, than I. Uh, right. I am certainly hearing that with uh, other companies I have talked to that are saying, you know, I, I'm having a hard time getting my workers to come back. It, they made four hundred dollars a week working for me, and they're making six hundred dollars a week doing nothing. So until that peters out, I, I got a problem. Yeah, well, that's about a three-month process, and uh, uh, we'll see how how that plays out in terms of uh, people getting back into the job market, uh, coming back. I think the employment numbers will turn fairly quick because. I, I think, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like some of the restaurant chains and so on that applied for money, uh, uh, et, et cetera. Uh, that when they were told about the program, they, uh, they, they ran and got in line. May not have been, should, maybe they shouldn't have, and, and maybe it wasn't necessary, <laughs> but they went and got in line. And... Uh, they found out that uh, that wasn't what the, they wanted to project and so on. 
from doing that, and in uh, numerous cases, they could afford to try to ride this out somewhat. Yeah, all my children are in their 20s at the present time and of working age, and they're all asking me, well, what about my job? And I said, you know, this isn't World War II, 1945 Germany or Japan, where the infrastructure simply got destroyed, and there's nothing to come back to. The jobs are still there. The factories, the businesses are still there. They're just closed for the moment. Tim, uh, you're absolutely right, and and I think, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, we ought to talk a little bit about is, you know, where are some of the some where, where are some of the better spots in the economy, and why is it that way? So, uh, you know, our biggest export item is airplanes, and we know that Boeing's sitting on the ground, and demand for airplanes is probably uh, at least three years out. To to where they're going to do that. So somebody else has got to carry the the water bucket uh, during that period. The, the automobile industry uh, brought us out of the 2008-2009 downturn in the economy, and uh, the auto industry and the airline industry affect so many other industries, and that's the difficult part of it. Uh, if we look at durable goods, the, the number of industries that are uh, influenced by the uh, automobile industry, uh, computer and electronics, electrical equipment and components, fabricated metal, primary metal, machinery, non-metallic mineral products, which is glass, transportation equipment, uh, and you you get into those things then, and you get into soft goods. You've got uh, fabrics, apparel, textiles. Uh, there's a huge amount of printing that goes on in the automobile industry. It's high-end printing because they want to have good uh, graphics, et cetera, for their cars. Uh, so uh, plastic and rubber products uh, fall into that category. So you can see there's about 10 or 12 industries that are re- dependent upon automobiles but they are also dependent on airplanes but not not to uh it's it's not necessarily the same companies though uh that do that so we we've got to see the automobile industry um uh, they've been running at 16 to 17 million on an annual run rate and now they've fallen down to about 11 uh last time people had car credit but they didn't have uh, house credit, and so they tended to buy cars that they had deferred waiting on or upscaling a car or whatever from that. So th- that's got to work. The The next industry that's important to them uh, is probably housing, and the housing industry uh, was on a good run going into this and it looks like the initial numbers coming out of it, people are still, if they had plans to do something about a house, they're looking at the interest rate, not at the uh, GDP rate. And so that can help. Uh, housing is another one of those industries that crosses a lot of uh, other industries. Uh, you know, everything that goes into a house 
housing housing is treated as non-manufacturing, but everything that goes into a house and adding value is manufacturing. And so we need that to to come through. Uh, one of the big challenges is going to be we've never seen anything like what's the way the non-manufacturing sector has been decimated. I mean, you you guys have been following this information for number of years now and you know every month the ism non-manufacturing index is higher than the manufacturing index just about that's right and, uh, now we've got the two of them just about equal and uh, it's going to be non-manufacturing moves slowly manufacturers learned back in the 70s that if they lose a huge amount of volume they have to scale back their business to the new level of volume that they've got. Non-manufacturing has typically uh, ridden it out and raised prices. But the way we've closed restaurants and food service and uh, uh, logistics, all kinds of things have closed down, travel, uh, et cetera, uh, that's going to take longer uh, because uh, the, there, there's not the imperative associated with it. If, if you don't have demand for uh, hotels in uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, having a hotel there isn't going to be a, 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 a joyous thing. And uh, okay. so I, I worry about non-manufacturing's ability to come back. I do feel like one of the other areas that came into the cycle late, into this last cycle late, was uh, small businesses. And I think small businesses are probably, uh, uh, again, if they're service-related, uh, they, they've got a chance of, uh, of coming back fairly quick. Uh, if you're in the HVAC business or... Uh, if you're in uh, landscaping, the probability is uh, your business could be pretty good right now or, uh, and, and getting better. Uh, but there's other segments of small business that, are, that are, we know are struggling from that. So those are the ones, you know, uh, I think you have to look at the industries and, and say, okay, who's going to be able to come back? Uh, government spending uh, in the way we're spending it, uh, I'm not sure how much that's going to uh, that's going to help uh, the recovery. Uh, it, it may be all of this money that's available. I mean, uh, uh, the Federal Reserve has just pumped the system full of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what we've learned from the other downturns like 2008, 2009, uh, the Y2K recession, which was a joke. Uh, uh, other recessions, I think we've learned, uh, don't tighten the belt, loosen the belt, and then worry yes. about what goes with it. Uh, I, I was yeah. concerned, as I, I know you guys are, about our future before we went through this uh <laughs> binge economic binge like a drunken sailor uh, and uh, so I'm really going to be worried when we come out of this are, are we ever going to have a government 
that has guts enough to deal with their uh, uh, spending habits. Oh, well, Lou, go for it. No, all right, here, here we go. I, I have a theory, uh, Norbert, and it's uh, I am not an economist, but I think that uh, my point, and Tim and I have discussed this many times, and it's called the write-off. So we're now at uh, almost $30 trillion in debt. We're close right. to it. Right, Norbert? Correct. Well, somewhere along the line, we got to just write it off and start all over again. It doesn't look good to have $30 trillion in debt because it's never going to be paid anyway. So you may as well just write it off. That's an old Seinfeld uh, shtick. Right. Uh, write it off. So, you know, do you, you have any thoughts or comments on that? I'd well, like to hear uh, from an economist. I, I would. I would first tell Lou uh, that uh, he he doesn't have it right. He is an economist. Any small business, <laughs> any, any, any small business company, small business person, uh, you may be focused on microeconomics, but you're an economist. Uh, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I think it's important. I, I know I find it very important. I've owned my own businesses, and, and I, I find that talking, uh, you know, my next-door neighbor was having some landscaping done, and I saw the guy out there, and I thought, well, I could give him some work. So I went over, and I said, have you got uh, uh, any time available for somebody else? He said, uh, mid-July. And, uh, <laughs> And this was last week, so it's not, uh, you know, uh, uh, anything like that. Uh, the other side of that, Lou, as, as someone who studied economics a good bit uh, for a long time, uh, I, I would tell you that uh, the only way governments have gotten out of a jam like this, think about South America. You've got some experience there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just keep going until they finally just de- uh, deflate er, 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 or inflate everything, and inflation yeah. is is almost the only way out of it, which is actually the Seinfeld way uh, of write it <laughs> off. It, it's just when do you choose when do you choose to do that? But uh, uh, nobody has uh, overcome large doses of inflation. Uh, by means other than inflation. And well, I, so, I appreciate your supporting my point, and now when Tim and I have this discussion, I will be able to say <laughs> that I'm the economist, according to Norbert Orr, and <laughs> right. just write it off. <laughs> I, I would like to bring up a, a, a side point, which we don't really hear a whole lot of right now, and I think that we're going to, and that's called commercial real estate. What's going to happen with all these companies who say, well, wait a minute, we've got all these people working at home, and you know what? It's working out pretty good, so maybe we need two-thirds less office space in uh, the office buildings. So what's going to happen with these landlords and commercial real estate? Because that's going to come late in this cycle. When everybody starts going back to work uh, at some point, uh, 
the owners of companies uh, are going to say, well, wait a minute. I don't need all this space. Everybody's working at home. Things are working pretty good. What's going to happen? The bubble's going to break. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be a little bit negative on uh, that concern, but simply because uh, we've uh, I've been in uh, in business for the last four decades, and I've always seen this thing of well, he can work from home, she can work from home, uh, and so on. And, and there are people that have been doing it for years, uh, but I don't think. Uh, uh, to me, it, it's kind of like taking a, a, a baseball team and uh, take the team and send each player to a different tr- spring training and then bring them together for opening day, have, not having played together, not having seen each other, not having uh, recognized the, the moods, those types of things. I, I think it's going to be difficult to replace that part of business uh b- because you, you know it's uh, uh it reminds me uh, if you uh in, indulge me a little bit of the story about the guy that's a wood chopper and he's uh takes an axe and he chops up firewood and so one day somebody comes along and says you know what uh uh I'll uh pay you twice the money but you have to use a sledgehammer and not a uh, axe. <laughs> and the guy said, "Well, that sounds good. I, you know, I'm get so many swings a day and so on. So yeah, I'll take that." Well, that goes on for a half a day, and the guy walks back in. And he says, uh, "I quit." And he was asked why he was quitting. He said, "I have to see the chips fly." <laughs> And I think a lot of this is, you know, that may be a, a rather homey uh, way of looking at it, but I think a lot of it is we have to see the chips fly. Well, I, I well, agree I, with you because I, I, I enjoy being in our, our facility, um, and, and there are two groups. Of, uh, we're working basically, uh, you know, my administrative staff is uh, all working from home, and, uh, you know, things are working out pretty good with that. Uh, but there are two groups. There's the one group who wants to come back to work, and actually one one or two of them came back last week and didn't call, didn't ask, and came in. And uh, I work in the office, and I threw them out and told them to go home. Uh, so there's one group that wants to work in the office. There's one group say, hey, this working from home is not bad. So the, the point being that... Uh, Somewhere along the line, the real estate market is going to feel this because not everybody is going to want to see the chips fly. <laughs> well, I, I, I do believe I do believe that. Now, there's some that'll uh, that'll stay, and uh, it just doesn't lend itself. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the the one of the problems is if your philosophy is you can stay home and uh, do work from home. It also means uh, you're making it less important to visit and be with customers. And uh, so you have to try to make up for that side of it, too. But anyway, you know, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Yeah, well, Nervous, the one thing you mentioned, small business, 
That's where my concern lies with small and mid-sized businesses that don't have the, uh, particularly sole proprietorships, don't have a ton of money in their bank business savings account or wherever they might have it stashed to pay the lease, pay the overhead on a closed business for three or four months. Um, you know, are they going to be able to take that kind of a financial hit and then come back? Uh, you know, we hear now that some are uh, closing shop permanently. Is that likely to be a wave? Well, I I think that's probably just uh, something we're going to have to work through. Uh, Again, the the quicker we get back, the better. And uh, that's going to be that's going to determine an awful lot. If uh, if we stretch this out, I mean, City of L.A. is saying they're going to shut down for three months. Well. they're going to lose an awful lot of uh, uh, businesses and tax base during that period of time. And I just mm-hmm. fear that the people, uh, you know, uh, I always say, contend people that own their own business or, or not in whatever uh, industry or whatever you think they are, they're in the cash flow business. And right. all businesses in the cash flow business. That's exactly right, and if they can't get the revenues coming in fast enough from the invoices they send out, they're borrowing, and they're in a struggle. Well, and so we'll uh, on top of that, Tim, service businesses don't have a lot of assets, don't require a lot of assets quite often, so uh, for them, it, it's it's tougher to go to the bank and get a loan Uh Yes. they have nothing to loan against. Right. Right. Well, there's always PPP. There you go. <laughs> you know, there's going to be there's going to be another PPP coming around soon, being that the first one. And I don't think a lot of people really understood that that it's that, that those funds are really only good for about two months, eight weeks. Right. So well, that's, uh, yeah. you know, everybody, everybody thought this thing is, uh, you know, an ongoing uh, uh, scenario, and it's not. Uh, but we'll see if Nancy Pelosi comes up with the uh, second round of PPP. Yeah, I think they're going to have a hard time, unless they just uh, are scared to death. Uh, I think they're going to have a hard time getting there, particularly uh, – uh, I think they'll they'll try to go through the Fed as opposed to another uh, boondoggle at the federal level. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. So. Well, all right. Well, Norbert, we appreciate you joining us and sharing uh, this report. It's going to be real interesting to see what you report next month as things begin to open up, and then the following month, at, by which time, most things should be opened up. So, you know, we're looking forward, hopefully, to the uh, next couple of months as upticks from 33, if you don't consider supplier deliveries. Thanks, Robert. Right. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Thanks, guys. Robert, thank you very much. I appreciate, we all appreciate your input, and I just want to remind our audience that, uh, this report that uh, Norbert Orr has put together is going to be on our website, 
along with the, uh, the diagram, which you may want to uh, take a couple of swigs of Mylanta before you look at it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll see that uh, turn around sometime in a hopefully near future. Thank and you, keep, Norbert. And yeah, one thing, keep in mind uh, they can participate in this survey if they get in touch with uh, uh, uh Manufacturing Talk Radio, they'll direct direct you to me, and uh, you can participate in the survey and get all of the information monthly. That's exactly right. So every manufacturer out there, come on, let's jump on it. You get two free reports out of it, and I, I who has taken the survey? It's two questions. It's painless, but you get a lot of value. Got so that, that right. Was, that was Norbert Orr, who is our senior correspondent on global ISM or global uh, PMI surveys for purchasing managers index. That's what he's looking at for 18 different countries and several regions around the world. Lou mentioned it being up on our website. That particular website is Manufacturing Talk Radio, which can be found at msgtalkradio.com or jacketmediaco.com, which is our broadcasting parent where you will also find a series of other shows that Jacket Media Co. puts out into the podcast world. And as always, thank you for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.